You are listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSN, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. Well, tonight we are going to be covering a pretty crazy story in the book of Judges in the third chapter. And uh, before we get going with that, I want to pray for us to get our hearts right, to get our minds right, okay? So let's bow. Lord, I thank you for this night. I thank you for the opportunity um, to gather every single week. Um, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds to receive what it is that you have for us. Um, may we be challenged and encouraged by your scriptures. Um, and may you, may you speak through me and bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Judges chapter 3. Verses 12 through 30, I'm going to be reading specifically out of the NIV version of the Bible. Um, You're going to see the verses on the screen. And before I even start with a single verse, I'm going to give you the first point. How about that? All right? So I need you to repeat this back to me. All right? Sin has consequences. All right, now I need, to, I need you to say it like you know how to talk and you know how to breathe. Understood? All right, sin has consequences. All right, there you go. That was a little bit better. So I'm going to start this story off. Judges chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 12 through 14. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel, giving the, getting the Ammonites and Amalekites to join him. Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. So, sin has consequences. And I think the best definition of the word sin is just missing the mark, missing the goal, not hitting bullseye, whatever you want to do, right? So if you don't get something absolutely positively 150% perfect, you've missed the mark, right? If you don't hit the bullseye right in the middle, did y'all ever see that movie Brave? Y'all remember when she shoots the arrow into the bullseye and then they're like, you can't do that again. And she's like, yes, I can. And they're like, no, you can't. She's like, yes, I can. They go back and forth for a minute. Then she draws that arrow back and she literally splits the arrow in half. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy scene. If you don't do that every single time, you're missing the mark. And the only person to live by that perfect holy standard is Jesus, right? So that's what this, this word sin equals. And here's a little bit of backstory on the book of Judges and how it ties into this point of sin has consequences. So, we talked about this a lot this weekend at beach camp, but what we see in the book of Judges is after Joshua, it's Joshua, Judges, Joshua has led these people, the Israelites, after Moses, into the promised land, and they are conquering people left and right, and nobody can stand against the Israelites. They are just tearing people up. They are literally like Golden State in their prime when Steph and Clay actually were making buckets, like all of those things, when there wasn't a whole bunch of drama, when all the players weren't getting old, when like all of that stuff, right? Anyways, they are tearing people up. And after conquering nation after nation after nation and doing it God's way, eventually Joshua dies. And after Joshua dies, the people forget what God had done. They forget that God had led them through Moses out of Egypt. He, he had them in the wilderness for 40 years, but eventually they started conquering people. He did miracles for them. He did all this, right? And they forgot what God had done. 
And therefore, they turned their back on him. They started worshiping other gods. They started worshiping idols. They started doing things that God had told them not to do. Like, hey, you need to not intermarry with your neighbors because they're going to turn you away from from certain gods or certain things. And they're going to turn you away from me and you're going to follow other gods, okay? And so that's what we see in the book of Judges. We're at this point. And what would happen is the Israelites would turn away from God And then they would realize they're being really stupid because they would be taken into captivity by some random king. And then they would be really sorry for themselves and they'd ask God to forgive them. And he would, and he would raise up this person called a judge to deliver them from whomever had conquered them at that point. Okay? So that's the entire book of Judges. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Who's ever read the story of Samson before? Samson and Delilah, all right? A lot of y'all. Samson's in Judges. There's some crazy stories. And this judge is who we're about to read about. So, let's keep going again. So, if we look at those verses 12 through 14, again, the Israelites said evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. So, the Israelites turned away from God, and then they fell into consequences. They didn't do what they were supposed to do, and they fell into consequences, right? And what do we know as believers of God? We know that obviously sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what put Jesus on the cross and why Jesus died for us, right? Our sin put Jesus there. Jesus died for us, rose again, so that through him we can be restored back to relationship with God, right? So sin has been conquered, but there's also very practical bad things that happen because of sin in our lives. Let's, let's just take a journey down this road, okay? So if I am constantly lying all the time about everything, eventually I'm gonna be found out and everybody's about to be mad at me, right? If I'm constantly lying to my parents, am I gonna have any privileges? No, right? Okay, what about if I'm constantly sleeping around or being stupid in relationships? Well, One, I'm gonna carry all that baggage into marriage and then, hey, there's a very real practical consequence of I might have a kid when I'm 16. And here's something where the the entering of life into the world should be something that's celebrated and now it's something that's regretted or you're gonna try and, and eventually make a terrible decision and say, I don't want this kid, right? So sin has very practical, real consequences here and now. And what's the real consequence for the Israelites in this chapter? They turned away from God and they're taken over by a nation who doesn't worship God and who puts them into captivity, right? So we need to recognize that in our own life, if we're not doing it God's way, we are opening ourselves up to a world of trouble that shouldn't be there if we just follow what the Bible says and do what God asks of us. And I think we see that in the big picture with, oh, well, I'm not gonna lie or I'm not gonna cheat or I'm not gonna steal. But if we break it down to even our relationship following God, we're told that we're supposed to meditate on God's words day and night. We're supposed to hide his word in our hearts so that we may not sin against him. When we decide to start changing our priorities, when we decide to, instead of reading our Bible or instead of praying or instead of having good godly friends in our life that encourage us, We're gonna find ourselves in a point where, you know what? Because we're not reading Bible and we're not getting encouraged by that, we're gonna constantly be down on ourselves because we've forgotten God's promises. 
If we find ourselves where we're not meditating on scripture, we're not gonna be able to remember that there is peace that surpasses all understanding or that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus or there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Those are all truths that if you don't meditate on as a believer of God, you're not gonna remember in your heart and in your mind. And so there's real practical consequences to sin as far as you could be punished, but you also can have a far less fulfilling life if you don't do it God's way. So sin has very, very real practical consequences. Yes, for eternity, but Jesus paid for those, but also today in the here and now. Does that make sense? So let's keep reading this story in Judges. And the second point is this, don't diss different. And Judges 3, 15 through 19 says this. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord and he gave them a deliverer. Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. After Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, Leave us. And they all left. So, first things first. The Israelites called on God when they sinned. And God gave them this deliverer named Ehud, a left-handed man, right? So I wanna remind you guys that absolutely 150%, every single one of us is messed up and every single one of us is gonna keep messing up. But I want you to also remember that God is merciful. God is gracious. He's a loving and forgiving God. And we see in the story, the Israelites were living in the outcome of their own sin, 100% their fault, but God delivered them and God cares about you. So in your life, if you're in a spot where it's like, hey, I keep messing up, I want you to recognize you give that to God and you turn from it. He's gonna be merciful to you too. Now, back to the first point or second point, don't diss different. So in the ancient world, left-handed people were considered to have a physical disability, like somebody who has to walk around or somebody who can't walk and has to use a wheelchair or somebody who is blind or somebody like that, right? The same physical disability was given to people with, who were left-handed. And basically what happened in the ancient world is if you were left-handed, they forced you to become right-handed. And so all of a sudden, you had to do things different than the way that you were, that you were made, right? You wanna use your left hand for stuff. You wanna throw a ball with your left hand. You wanna cook whatever lamb's happening with your left, whatever, right? But you can't do that anymore. And I think... The, the point of this is that when Ehud goes in, and we're gonna see later on in the story that he uses the sword that is strapped to his right thigh, he is able to walk through security because security, if everybody is right-handed because it's a physical disability to be left-handed, where are they gonna look for your sword? They're gonna look for it over here, right? Because you're gonna pull it from here. Exactly. And where was his? His right thigh. And so he was able to walk through security, was able to walk through the guards because of the thing that made him different, because of the thing that the people wanted to change about him. 
And I think in our own lives, we can get to this point where we feel because we are different, we are disqualified from serving God. And that is not true. You see, oftentimes in the Bible, God will use the people who maybe are a little bit different to do mighty things for him. If you think about David, right? David was the youngest of his brothers. He was called ruddy. He didn't look like his brothers. He was a shepherd. He tended to the sheep. His brother were all fighting. Yet because David had a shepherd's heart, he cared for people. God called him a man after his own heart. If you look and you see, even in the, in the book, um, when, when the Israelites are about to take over um, the, the promised land in Canaan in the book of Joshua, the Lord uses this woman Rahab, who is a prostitute, to hide these spies in order to figure out if they're gonna take over the land of Canaan. The Lord will use people, and he may use people from a shady background to accomplish his purpose. And I think in our own lives, we're gonna be in a spot where it's a lot of times it's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a dude and I am not supposed to feel emotion. I'm supposed to keep it all together, but I constantly find myself every single sad movie, I'm crying. I need the dudes to be honest. Who in a movie has cried before and you just can't hide it, right? I, Ellie will tell you, I cry at every single movie. It don't matter what it is. I cry at everything. Jeffrey will tell you... I, Jeffrey, like, at his wedding, I was standing there, or Jeffrey walked down the aisle, and I couldn't even make it down the aisle. Like, Hannah hadn't even come down the aisle yet, and I was already bawling. Like, it was not even, it would, but I just cry at everything. Here's the thing. As a society, we're told that we don't need to feel those things, and we don't need to act on those things. But oftentimes, you feel those things, and the Lord wants you to use them because we're supposed to live life with our mind, our will, and our emotions. And emotions are there to care for people. Emotions are there to listen to people. Emotions are there to empathize with others, right? Or maybe it's because you feel like you just aren't good at anything. You're not good at sports. You're not good at music. You're not good at school. Well, I'm here to tell you that the Lord has a plan for your life. And you may feel like you don't have it all together now, but don't disqualify yourself. Continue to seek and follow the Lord. It may be that you feel like everybody around you has this purpose already. They have this life goal. Oh, this person's gonna be a doctor. This person's gonna play college sports. This person's gonna go to this school and is gonna do this thing and is gonna have this life and is gonna do this. And you feel like you literally have no idea what is about to happen. I want you to recognize that the Lord still has a plan for your life. And don't disqualify yourself because you're not meeting these standards that the world have that's not even the Lord's standard. So what we see in the story is that Ehud made this double-edged sword about a cubit long and he strapped it to his right thigh under his clothing. And because he was different, he was able to walk through and eventually accomplish God's purpose. So let's keep reading the story. And this is, it's gonna get kind of whack, y'all. So I need you to be ready for this. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a message from God for you. And as the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade, and his bowels discharged. Ehud did not pull the sword out, and the fat closed in over it. 
Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. Yes, pretty gross. I want you guys to take a moment. Remember that a cubit is probably about this long, and that whole thing went into that king. That man was big. Not to mention, there's, I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna keep it real with y'all. This is disgusting. But there's a lot of controversy over what does it mean when it says his bowels discharged. So let me tell you about the controversy. There's two opinions here. It's, a, it's either that his bowels discharged from the front or his bowels discharged from the back, okay? So we don't know which way they came, but they went some way, all right? And also, I'm gonna let you guys know, I'm gonna let you guys in on a little bit more code, okay? When it says that he was in the upper room, that is code for he was taking a dump, okay? The, the cool chambers were where you had to be cool to uh, do your business, understood? So anyways, this is a very interesting story, right? Point number three. <laughs> we're, we're going right to point three, y'all. You ready? It's your actions leave behind a wake. So can y'all show me a picture of a wake? I think you got that. Yeah, all right. So do y'all see this boat right here? Real little boat. And do you see this whole big thing behind it? So this is a wake. And what happens is as a boat moves through the water, the boat parts the water a little bit and it spreads out. And a wake is what's left behind. It's the remnants. If you think about airplanes when they're flying through the sky and you see this like cloud tail thing behind them, that's similar to a wake. And what I want you guys to relate a wake to is your decisions. And this is what I mean by that. I mean your decisions leave behind this trail that's gonna affect other people whether you see it or you don't. For instance, if you choose to be kind to someone when they don't experience kindness elsewhere, they're probably gonna remember that. And that may change their outlook that day, right? When you choose to constantly make a bad decision, it's gonna impact your own life, but it may impact other people's lives. It may be that people who, who you trusted or who trusted you, they, that trust is broken. It may be that you affect people negatively because they see you and it's like, oh, well, he goes to church and he does all this crap, so I mu it must not be that big of a deal to not go to church and not follow Jesus. So your actions leave behind a wake. Dr. Henry Cloud said it this way, the wake is the results we leave behind. And the wake doesn't lie and it doesn't care about excuses. It is what it is. No matter what we try to do to explain why or to justify what the wake is, it still remains. It is what we leave behind and is our record. So recognize that your life leaves a wake. Your decisions leave a wake behind you. So the dude who took over the, the Israelites, Eglon, he's dead. His bowels are everywhere. What happens next, right? Well, let's read what happens next. After he had gone, this is talking about Ehud, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the palace. He did relieve himself. They waited to the point of embarrassment. But when he did not open the doors of the room, 
They took a key and unlocked them. They, there, they saw their Lord fall to the floor, dead. While they waited, Ehud got away. He passed by the stone images and escaped to Sirah, Syrah. When he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went down with him from the hills, with him leading them. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab, your enemy, into your hands. So they followed him down and took possession of the fords of the Jordan that led to Moab. They allowed no one to cross over. And at that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong, and not one escaped. That day, Moab was made subject to Israel, and the land had peace for 80 years. So, Ehud, completing what God had called him to do, using the thing that made him different, being left-handed, led the Israelites, encouraged the Israelites, challenged the Israelites enough that they would then form together and start to overthrow these people who had took them over. And what is the outcome of it? It's that Israel had 80 years of peace afterwards. And I think there's a couple of things that I wanna point out to you about this, about your, your actions leaving behind a wake, okay? So the first things, your actions of obedience, no matter how small, can encourage others to follow Jesus better and to be obedient. For example, sitting by someone who's by themselves at lunch or taking time out of your day to help your mom or coming to church or whatever, right? Those are small, small, seemingly insignificant things that can encourage other people. And what do I mean by that? I mean that if somebody sees you taking the time to sit with somebody who's by themselves, then they may be encouraged to do the same thing. They may be challenged to do that. They may be challenged to ask you, hey, why are you comfortable doing this, right? And for Ehud, he was obedient to how God called him to lead, and him doing that, him being bold in the face of an oppressive leader, encouraged the Israelites to fight. And out of it came 80 years of peace. But I think the second principle is this, is that you cannot do it on your own. Ehud was able to start the overthrow of the oppressive government, but he was not able to finish it on his own. And I think a lot of times we want to do things and we forget that we're designed for relationships. We're designed to do things with people. We're designed to bring people in and alongside of us. And so Ehud needed the Israelites just like the Israelites needed Ehud. They needed him to start the fire, but he needed them to keep it going. Does that make sense? So in your life, that means that you need to ask yourself some questions of, do I have people around me that are gonna be like Ehud and encourage me to get better? Do I have people who are gonna challenge me on a day-to-day basis in the way that they live their life, in the way that they care for other people? And also, do I have people in my life that if we figure, if there's some sort of cause that I'm fired up about, if there's something that I am doing will come alongside me and encourage me? Are there people in my life who are excited to succeed together? I think a lot of times in friendships, we're constantly butting heads with each other. It's hard for us to celebrate with one another. We never want the, the friend to do better than us. But that's not biblical friendship. Biblical friendship looks like having people alongside you who are united in a mission of following Jesus 
encouraging one another and loving other people. Does that make sense? So what do we learn from the story of Ehud? We learn that one, that sin has consequences. Sin separates us from God and our sin is what put Jesus on the cross. But sin also has practical day-to-day consequences. If I lie and I get caught, then I'm gonna have to deal with the consequences. If I cheat on a test and I get caught, then I'm gonna have to deal with the consequences. And you say, well, Gabe, what if I don't get caught? I need you to recognize that when you sin, you're waging war against your own soul. And eventually you are gonna be caught because you're gonna harden yourself to the point where you don't care about being sneaky about it anymore. And you will be caught. Your sin will find you out. So sin has consequences. The second thing is that difference, being different, don't diss that. Recognize that God makes us all unique. God knits us and forms us in our mother's wombs and he gives us different skill sets and abilities to be able to accomplish his purpose. One thing that Pastor Jeremy says a lot that I think is important to remember is that unity is not uniformity. The world wants us to all look a certain way, talk a certain way, and somehow figure out everybody's truth the same sort of way, right? But the body of Christ isn't like that. We can be united around Jesus, but also we need to celebrate the fact that we're different. For some of you guys, it may be that you're more introverted. For some of you guys, it may be that you're more extroverted. For some of you guys, it may be sports, or it may be art, or it may be school, or you may, like all of those things. Recognize God made you a certain way for a certain reason. And don't push that away, lean into it. And the last thing is this, that your actions will leave behind a wake. And so surround yourself with people who are going to, one, come alongside you, but two, who are gonna encourage you to get better. Does that make sense? Awesome, let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for this night. I thank you for who you are, for all that you've done. I pray that we would be challenged by your word um, to examine our lives, to see if there's any offensive ways, um, and may we give that to you um, and find accountability with others. I pray that you would give us a great couple of weeks off, that you would restore and refresh our souls, and that we would come back excited and energized um, and ready to be back together. I pray that you would bless this night. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.